The reason he is worthy of praise is because he is alive. And again, we are so glad to celebrate that today, to realize and just rejoice in the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, thank you for taking time out of your Easter to uh, watch and worship with us virtually. Um, do want to mention again, if you are here and um, or if you're watching and you need anything from the church, um, especially those of you that attend our church, if there's anything we can help you with, please make sure you get a hold of myself or one of the deacons in our church. Um, we would be glad to help you out as much as we are able to. Uh, if you want to continue to support the church, even though we're not meeting, um, you can do that online on our website, faccpa.org, or if you want to mail a, a check to the church, you're more than welcome to do that. The address, of course, is 10 East Mechanic Street, Wind Gap, zip code is 18091. But I pray that you're staying well and uh, safe during this time, and uh, let you know that we are praying for you. We love you. We miss everyone in our church and cannot wait till we are able to worship together again in person, see each other's face. I'm looking forward to that day. But I'm going to read this morning from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, again, as I said when I'm done this morning, uh, we're going to celebrate communion. If you'd like to do that with us, um, you're more than welcome to. Um, Celebrate it there in your house, wherever you are with your family. Um, so feel free to do that. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and beginning with verse 12, is where I'm reading. The Bible says this, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Man, the word of the Lord this morning. As I mentioned last week, the series that I was going to do last week and then Good Friday, if we were able to meet in, per in person, uh, was going to be titled, We Need a Savior. We Need a Savior. And as I mentioned last Sunday, if you're able to see the video online, we were reminded that we have a Savior. We have a Savior who came. Who came into Jerusalem riding there on that donkey. A Savior who knew fully well what was waiting for Him on that Palm Sunday when He rode into town. And yet, He came willingly laying down His life for us. 
And on Friday, the plan was to preach that not only were we saved by the fact that He was coming, that He came, but also that we are saved by the fact that He died. The death of Jesus Christ is what brings and provides salvation for us. If Christ did not die, if He did not offer His life as a sacrifice, as a substitution for our sins, then we have no hope. We are still without hope. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus did not come to unseat a Caesar. He did not come to unseat Pilate or Herod or whoever. He came to give His life as a ransom, to lay down His life on a cross so that you and I might be forgiven. The text was going to be out of Luke 23 where these words were said. Verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed to him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. This man has done nothing wrong. The thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amazing to think that in that passage, Jesus is being asked to save these criminals. And he looks at the one who with a repentant heart asks, Lord, will you please remember me? Will you please save me? And Jesus says, I will. Act, it will happen today. Today you will be with him in paradise. Jesus is being asked to save the criminals, and he says, In effect, to the one, you will be saved because I am dying for you. But listen, it's not just the death of Christ that matters. Reality is, thousands of people around the world die every single day. Millions of people die in a year. And yes, the, the death of some individuals, such as soldiers in a war, soldiers who are defending our freedom in whatever country you may be in, they impact our lives more than others. But the simple truth is, we are not free from our sins simply if Jesus died. It is the resurrection that makes all of the difference for us. It is the fact that Christ rose again from the dead that provides hope for you and I. Paul starts off here in this section we read to you and he says, look, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection? And if there is no resurrection, not Christ has been raised, okay? We don't, we're not sure who Paul is talking to in this section of Scripture, what group of people he may be referring to, but, but he says, look, if you say that nobody rises from the dead, then you must conclude that not even Christ rose from the dead. And how can you say that Christ rose from the dead and yet nobody else rides from the dead? You can't have it both ways. If you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then you must believe that everyone will rise from the dead. And then he goes on further and he says, and Christ did not rise again, guess what? The preaching we have done to you was a total waste of time. 
The faith you have believed in was a total waste of time. Every Sunday morning that you came and worshiped with us, every Sunday or every weekday or whenever it is that you turned on a television program and you watched someone teaching the Word of God, you turn on your radio to the Christian station and you listen to someone sharing the Word of God. Every Bible study you've been a part of, all of that is a waste of time if Christ did not rise from the dead. Verse 15, he says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God. In other words, I've been lying to you about God. I've been lying about the plan of God. I present Him as a God who loves us so much that He's willing to do anything for us, even lay down the life of His Son on our behalf. And guess what? I have lied to you the whole time. God is nothing more. Some cosmic killjoy is out there to kill you and destroy you, to make your life miserable. God cannot wait for the chance to just destroy you if it is true that Christ did not rise from the dead. Verse 17, the worst part of it all, if Christ is not raised from the dead, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Your belief that you are forgiven, song we sang, I am forgiven because you were forsaken, that is nothing more than a pipe dream if Christ did not rise from the dead. You know, that's the cry of the human heart, isn't it? We want to be free from our sins. We want to be free from the wrong things we do in our life. We don't rejoice in doing evil. We don't rejoice in living a life of sin. We want to be free from it inwardly. Even the person who will stand there and say, I'm glad to be a wicked sinner. I bet you deep within the depths of their heart, they wish there was a better way. This is what one commentator wrote. He wrote, Denial of Christ's resurrection means that believers remain in the clutches of God's condemnation because of sin. Though atonement for sin is usually developed by Paul in relation to the cross, here, in effect, he is saying that any benefits accrued to humanity by Christ's death are negated. It's all for nothing. It's all for naught. Christ cannot conquer sin for us unless He conquers death. It's a pretty hopeless situation. That's why he says you are to be pitied above all people. You are to be laughed at. You know, we look at people who, who, who think that they're going to be somebody special. And we realize, you know, they are nothing. We remember that old America's Got Talent TV show and, and how they would mock and ridicule people who really thought they could sing and, and, and they would get up there and they would try to sing and it'd be the worst sounding thing you ever heard and and we'd laugh at them and ridicule them that's the way it is only a thousand times more if christ is not raised from the dead they're to be looked upon with pity how foolish can you believe that oh i'm so glad this morning first corinthians 15 verse 20 is a part of sacred scripture I read those words with emphasis, but here it is again. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. All of this would be true. We would be hopeless. We would be lost. We would not have a chance at forgiveness if Christ did not rise from the dead. But the good news is Christ did rise from the dead. That is a truth. That is a reality. He is alive. 
Yes, if he is not risen, we are not forgiven. We are lost. We are hopeless. But it doesn't matter because the simple fact is Christ has been risen, has risen, has been raised from the dead. That simple statement changes everything. It changes it all. Christ is alive. Christ is resurrected. He is not there. He is risen from the dead and He is alive forevermore. Matthew tells us in chapter 28, verses 5 and 6, the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. I know you are seeking Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, as he said, come, see the place where he lay. For I live there in Penargel. Many of the residents, lifers there, rejoice and celebrate or remember the fact that Jane Mansfield, famous television actress of a different era, is from that town. That's our claim to fame there. It's a small town. What do you expect from us but oh we we see it and we've been there and and i've even been to the cemetery where her gravestone is unfortunately she is still there you can go to washington dc and see the gravestones and memorials drive over to new york city and see grant's tomb if you would and they are still there drive to that tomb outside of jerusalem place where they laid the body of Jesus Christ. He is not there. He has risen. Come and see it. Check it out. If it's still around, if it's still a place, if it's one of the places that they recognize as the garden tomb, I tell you this morning, He is not there. And this changes everything for us as Christians. Let me give you three things that change as a result of the fact that Jesus is alive. What changes as a result of the fact that Jesus is alive? First of all, is this, we don't have to live our lives in fear. We don't have to live in fear. Remember the story of Doubting Thomas, don't you? He's called that because he did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he said, I'm not going to believe unless I can physically touch him. John chapter 20, verse 19 tells us what happens in that passage. It says this, On the evening of the first day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were were for fear of the Jews. Okay, don't miss those words because it's telling us that Jesus is coming and He's standing in the midst of them. He shows up. But notice what happens. He shows up in the midst of them when the doors were locked. Why? Because the disciples were living in fear. They were afraid that the Jews would come and catch them as disciples of Jesus and would kill them as well. They were living in fear. Verse 26 tells us the same thing. Eight days later, His disciples were inside again, and this time Thomas was with Him. He wasn't with Him the first time. And verse 26 says again, the doors were locked. Jesus shows up and He stands right in the middle of them. Doing the same thing, living in fear. Living life afraid. 
But we know what happens after Thomas sees Jesus a second time. He shows up in the middle of a locked room where nobody could get in, and he touches him. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God, you are alive. You have risen. And I don't want to take the time to do it, but you see the difference between what John wrote there in John 20 and then go all through the book of Acts throughout from the day of Pentecost onward where these disciples were meeting together and were giving their life on behalf of the gospel. Did you realize that fear is gone? They're no longer afraid of what might happen. We live in a time where fear abounds, don't we? Turn on the television, it's nothing but bad news, nothing but a rising death account. Nothing but Americans living in fear. Maybe it's fear of a disease or fear of a job loss or income loss. We're told, stay home, shelter in place. Don't go out and don't do anything. And, and we're being controlled and monitored. And we're being forced to live a life of fear. But what I am saying is this, that is not necessary. If you know Christ and you realize that Jesus is alive, now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not going to leave the church this morning and run down a giant, just touch everything and, and spit all over everything and, and just live reckless and, and totally abandon lives. You know, I'm washing my hands a lot more than I used to and, and I'm using sanitizer a lot more and maybe you need to go out in the mask. There's a difference between living in fear and living with a little bit of common sense. Live in a safe neighborhood and not really worried about someone breaking in. But every night before I go to bed, I'm asked one question by my wife. Are the doors locked? And I cannot go to sleep unless I say yes. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm told, get up and lock the doors. We do those. We use wisdom. We use common sense. But understand, we don't have to live our lives in a state of perpetual fear. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Please don't misunderstand again, as I said. We use precautions. And I'm praying that God will keep us from being sick. Praying that God will keep His hand upon our lives. And He will watch over us as a church body and that we will not get sick. But if God allows us to come in contact with this disease. I also know this, God can heal us of it. And if God did choose us not to heal us from this disease, I know that if I am to succumb to this coronavirus, I know that I am going to be in the presence of God. And I am going to live with Him forever. Again, use precautions, wear masks, use sanitizer. But understand, we don't have to live our lives in fear. Jesus is alive again. Matthew 28, verse 5. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. This morning, I tell you, you do not have to be afraid. Jesus is alive. Not only do we live our lives without fear, but secondly, we can live our lives in faith. We can live our lives in faith. You remember the story of Job, don't you? Job was a man who was abundantly wealthy, had so much, had quite a bit. And yet, all stricken and taken away, his children killed, his riches gone, body racked with pain and disease. 
Even in the midst of this situation, I love these words from Job chapter 19, verses 25. Job is saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm facing this. But Job 19, he says, but I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last, He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I will see Him for myself. My eyes will behold and not another. Oh, my heart faints within me. Listen to those words there. I know my Redeemer lives. I know that Jesus is alive. And I know that even after I die, I in my flesh will see God again. I will see Him. I want to listen to you who are alive describe God. No, I myself will see Him. It says, oh, my heart faints within me. I long for that. I look for that. Why? It's faith rising up in Job even in the midst of this trying situation. And I'll be honest with you, it's been hard at times. I've found myself struggling with depression, struggling with, with just fear and anxiety. But every time I find myself in this situation, especially here these last few weeks, I've been thinking, I cannot give in to that. Jesus is alive, and I know I'm going to see Him. I know I'm going to be with Him one day. Listen, we need to live our lives in faith that Jesus is alive. Paul said we need to walk by faith and not by sight. Because again, in this section of Scripture, he said, if only in this light there was hope in Christ, we would be miserable. But we have hope more than just in this life. We have hope in a risen Savior. I think sometimes we miss the point of faith. We think that I have to have enough faith. You know, my faith is just strong enough. It's like looking at a 50-pound weight and we can't lift it. And we think, if I just have enough strength and if I can just start off with 5 pounds and 10 pounds and, and get enough strength, eventually I'll be able to tackle that 50-pound weight. I don't think that's what faith is all about. Faith is not how much you have, but faith is rather the source of the faith that you place it in. And this morning I have placed my faith, and even though it's weak at times, I have placed it in a God who has risen from the dead and who is alive and lives forevermore. And I can live, no matter how weak that faith is, knowing Jesus is alive. So we live our lives not in fear, we live our lives in faith. Secondly, we also, finally I should say, we also live in anticipation of a future. We live in anticipation of a future. That's what the rest of this chapter tells us. Especially the last few verses, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the perishable or the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body, this body who is subject to coronavirus, this body who is subject to cancer, this body who is subject to diabetes and, and a heart attack and everything else that we face in this life, will put on an imperishable body. This mortal body will put on a body and no longer will count the birthdays and say, oh no, I've hit 40 and 50 and 75 and 80. 
This body will put on immortality. You'll look at me one day and you'll say, how old are you? And I'll say, I'm 25,000 years old. And you'll say, wow, you don't look a day over 20. What a day that will be when a perishable puts on the imperishable and a mortal puts on immortality. Then will come to pass the saying that is written, death swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I'll tell you where his sting is. It's the, the sting of death, the victory of death is laying in an empty tomb. It's laying on a cross. It's there at a cross. Jesus has defeated it once and for all by his death. His resurrection. Look, this is not a good situation we find ourselves in. I hate the fact that we're not able to meet together. I hate the fact that some of you are stuck in your house and maybe you're alone and feel like you can't go out and go anywhere. Listen, this is not the end of our life. Oh, there will be a day when we'll We'll all get together again at a church. There will be a day where we'll all go to the park. be a day when 40 and 50 and 60, 70,000 people meet again at a sporting event. I'm looking forward to those days again. More importantly, I am looking forward to that day. We will meet Jesus face to face and we will be with each other for eternity. And never again will I ask the question as I look at a man sitting in a pew and I say, where's your wife? Oh, she's homesick. Never again will I see a young adult and say, where's your parent? And they'll say, oh, they could not make it today. They're not feeling well. Never again will I get a phone call saying, so-and-so has passed. Would you officiate their funeral? We have a future. It extends far beyond a country reopening and going to the beach and to the shore and, and having a picnic or whatever, riding on our boats and whatever we like to do. And I love to do all that. And I can't wait for all of that. We have a future where we will live in the presence of God forever. That's all because of the resurrection, because Jesus is alive. I'm looking forward to that day. So this morning, if you're watching, if you're living your life uncertain of what tomorrow brings, let me tell you, don't do that. Jesus is alive. Because He lives, you too can live forever. All you have to do is accept Him into your heart. Ask Him to come and forgive you of your sins. And He will do so. If you're watching as a Christian and you're allowing yourself to give in to fear and discouragement and depression and whatever else, I know it's hard. Like I said, I've struggled with it. The last few weeks have been difficult. We're adjusting as a family. We're adjusting the new normal. Unable to do the things that we're accustomed to doing. Don't give in to it. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Even if you're at giant in some kind of full body hazmat suit, go there rejoicing. Jesus is alive. He lives forevermore. Remember that truth and let it penetrate your heart this morning. And we're going to pray.
take communion together and then close with a song of worship. So wherever you're watching this or whenever you're watching this, whether on Facebook or YouTube or on a DVD, like I said, pray with me. And let's just remember this truth this morning. Lord, we thank You for this truth, this reality, this hope. Jesus, You are alive. You live forevermore. Because You live, we have a future. We have a hope. We have a reality of a better day coming. Those words change everything. But Jesus has risen from the dead. May those words be impressed upon our hearts, we pray. May they sink deep in our lives, we ask. Thank You for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. The Bible says these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says this, Paul said in verse 23, I received from the Lord what I delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread and when He had given thanks, He broke it. And He said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. He took the bread and He broke it and He said, Look, this is what's going to happen to Me. We remember Good Friday. We remember the beating, the scourging. We remember that His dying breath has brought us life. So if you're celebrating with us this morning, take your bread or your cracker. Let's receive the body of the Lord together, shall we? Let's partake. Same way after the cup, after the supper, I should say, he took the cup. He said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I love that last sentence. You proclaim the Lord's death. I'm telling you today, Jesus' death and resurrection has covered my sin. I'm also telling you, He's coming again. That future is coming. That future is coming for us one day. So let's take the cup and let's remember this truth this morning. And Lord, we rejoice and we remember that. We are thankful for that truth. We are thankful that You are alive and You live forever. And we are looking forward to that day. We take the bread and the cup together with you in the presence of God. And we are with you forever. Lord, I pray for strength and encouragement on our church body and our church family until we meet again, we ask. Man, we're going to sing a last song here before we close this morning. It's an old favorite, many of ours, written by Bill Gates. It just says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. You need to remember that today. He is alive. And because He lives, we're not like everyone else in this world that's panicked, that's freaked out, that's terrified. We have a hope and a future. Amen. Let's sing with our worship team as we close today.
Advent Sentisa.